Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The cold hard truth about the Olympic journey is not really been financially incentivized in the same way that many other professional sports are. The business of basketball involves CBA, global, our licensing arm, Think 450. All of those things will make up what that looks like. Money in sports. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy being on Monday Night Countdown and talk about some of the more interesting aspects of business of sports. When you talk in sports, discipline is the bridge from being good to other being great at whatever it is that you're trying to be or accomplish at your profession. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, welcome to the Bloomberg Business of Sports, and we've got another great guest, Katrina Adams, former chairperson and CEO of USTA and executive director of Harlem Junior Tennis and Education Program. Katrina, thank you so much for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. Well, thank you for having me. First off, I want to go to the day. Yes, obviously you played pro tennis and you were very, very good. Those days compared to now, what's the difference? Well, I like to say I had my moments back in the day. (laughs) Um, So thank you for that. Um, But wow, I mean, you know, I I think the sport has elevated so much um, in the last couple of decades, physically, mentally, um, it's, it's grueling. It was grueling when I was there, but just looking at the dynamics and the, the quickness and the strength of the athletes today, uh, versus when I was playing is, uh, it's far more superior in my opinion. How did you go from being a player to being in the structure of tennis? You know, when I was on the tour, I, I really was very interested, um, and got involved on the political side from the WTA Tour Players Association, being on their board, and then the WTA Tour Board. Um, and it was just something that I was always pulled to. And, and so after I retired, I got involved with the USCA board as an elite athlete, um, which is a player that is within 10 years of retirement that has reached a certain uh, ranking or level um, of which I uh, qualified for. And when I joined the board and, and understood what the USCA was about, and it was more about grassroots than at the top of the game, yes, we own the U.S. Open and, and put on the, the best event in the world, but it's really about putting rackets in people's hands, um, no matter what their age is, and, and develop them, developing them keeping them in the sport. So that was gravitated to that because I was once that child that started at the age of six and moved up through the system in the junior ranks, you know, high school, collegiate, and then professional. And I wanted to make a difference and, and give back and, and, and leave, a, you know, an indelible mark on the sport if I could. Well, Katrina, I think you're being far too modest. 20 WTA doubles titles is nothing to shake a stick at. I'm wondering if you could help me understand. I mean, we've got a lot of great players here in the U.S. up and coming. I mean, uh, Coco Gauff, uh, you know, Taylor Fritz, who just won Indian Wells back in March. I mean, I'm wondering if you could just kind of share with us your thoughts on the future of U.S. tennis. I mean, who's up and coming? I mean, who's going to win the next slam? Wow. Well, I will say, you know, coming off of the, the heels of the French Open in Paris, I mean, what a what an unbelievable uh, event. Um, you know, watching Rafa Nadal win his 14th 
Roland Garros Championship and Iga Fiatek, who's on a run. Um, you know, they are far, you know, at the top of their games right now. But you know, when you look at our Americans, hey, we got Coco Goff who just got to her first Grand Slam final. She's someone that we've been talking about for the last couple of years. She's still only 18, so definitely has an opportunity to, to do well um, at the upcoming, you know, U.S. Open. There's Wimbledon in between. Um, but Danielle Collins, um, uh, Jessica Pagula, I mean, our, our Americans are – are rising and rising fast. Shelby Rogers, all these young ladies are doing a, a great job uh, in, in their performance right now, and, and any of them have an opportunity to move forward. On the men's side, you know, we're looking at a, a young Sebi Corda, uh, Sebastian Corda, who's the, the son of two former professional tennis players, and Peter and Regina Corda. Uh, and I think, you know, looking at him develop, he's still filling out um, a great opportunity. Uh, Francis Tiafo, who's getting back on his game and doing well. Taylor Fritz, you know, a huge hardcore player, won Indian Wells earlier this year. I, I think we are, we have a nice pool um, to pull from on both the men and the women's side. Those are some incredible athletes that you just listed. Um, I, I want to mention one of them uh, who is not American, but obviously is in the spotlight because of her accomplishments on the court uh, in France. Iga Swiatek just won her 35th match, um, won the French Open. Of course, I'm sure you've seen the news stories about how she was asked by a reporter after winning the French Open, uh, one technical question and one that wasn't technical. The technical question is, what is your best shot? Is it the forehand or is it your down-the-line backhand? What do you think? That was the first question. The second question had nothing to do with tennis, and it started with, outside of the court when you go to a party, do you use makeup? Do you like to go elegant and smart and so on? What, what did you think when you heard that? <laughs> To be honest with you, I'm just now he- hearing it. So I will give you my immediate response. Oh, wow. I think, oh, wow. All, I think, first of all, that's absurd. Um, you know, listen, I, I get, I like the fact that we're trying to think outside of the box and, and ask more personal questions, more fun questions, so that people really get to understand these athletes off the court. Um, but I think when you're addressing a female athlete like that, you know, what are you implying? What are you saying? Are you saying that uh, I need to wear makeup or, you know, or is it just about are you interested in the, the sexy look that I have? I, so I, I don't I don't really think that was a nice um, question, um, particularly now with the way, you know, mental health is, is so huge in athletics and, and just in human society in particular. And you never know how that's going to trigger a young woman um, to make her think about beyond the interview. Um, why did you ask that question? It makes no sense to me and, and what I'm doing here and what I've just accomplished. So, um, so I'm disappointed in the question, but I, on the other hand, I can understand someone just trying to think outside of the box if that was, their intent. And hopefully that was the intent. That's a very charitable way of putting it. I don't think Michael Barr, Damien Sasser, and I were quite so forgiving of the the, the thinking behind the question. But just for the record, Iga said as her response, okay, thank you. Well, I'm wearing a hat, so I don't have to worry about my hair. That's the most positive thing. I don't wear makeup because I don't feel like I have I kind of have to. And also, I don't think that will change something. Also, it's going to come off when I use a towel. So she brought it back to sports. I'm just going to say... Absolutely. I love yeah. it. I, I get it. And I'm just going to say what we all better be thinking. 
that was a stupid question. <laughs> I'm I'm not even gonna. I, no, no. This you just won the French Open, and that's the question you get. Yeah. Also, to be fair, Iga also said that the question was hard to answer given that it was not in her PR brief. So she did not shy away from the fact that it was like, where is where on earth is this question coming from? No, absolutely. And as I said, I mean, it's 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 you're you're you just won the French Open. And so I'm here to talk about tennis and what I'm doing. And yeah, you can come up with an out of the box question. But I mean, that's that's a bit personal and 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 and, you know, as I said earlier, offensive. In the light of the situation, we're not talking about where I'm going to party or what I look like when I go out to party, if I if I party at all. <laughs> all right. Let me keep with the theme to show you how I hate that question. If you were a spoon, what kind of spoon would you be? <laughs> I mean, I don't I, 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 I cannot understand that. You won the French Open, and this is what you get. You talk to me about okay. What was the where was the tough part? Was it talk well, you know about what? your Listen, opponent? I admire the maturity in her response. Well, she's way more mature than I am because I I'd have been like, you've got to be kidding. So I, so let me let me calm down and let me bring it to another point. <laughs> I love it. Uh, because the U.S. Open is is. It was kind of right around the corner, and I and I think about and I was watching TV, and there's a special documentary that's out there with Arthur Ashe, and obviously one of the the greatest tennis players out there, and one of the early tennis players, African American, who was out there, and uh, he changed the sport, and I I just want to get your thoughts about Arthur Ashe and what you think about him. Well, obviously, Arthur Ashe was one of our, our greatest tennis players that we had, both on and off the court, a great humanitarian. He really stood up for what he believed in. Um, it was about equal rights, equality, and he just had the utmost integrity from, you know, I've had an opportunity to have met him um, a few times when I was younger, um, but he's also someone who's missed. I mean, I grew up watching him. It was the first professional tennis match I saw was him playing the finals of the 1975 Wimbledon championships against Jimmy Connors and, and then watching him call Wimbledon years later on HBO and, and all the other things that he did. But, you know, he was just such a gentleman and, and just did everything right in people's eyes. Um, and he didn't shy from, from speaking up and speaking out. I mean, he had so much courage um, to do what he did, you know, in fighting and speaking up against apartheid. And, and so many other things. And so he is definitely someone that's missed, but I think his memory, what he stood for, what he represented, um, has stood strong, continues to be strong in not only our sport, but in society today. Well, Katrina, I mean, you mentioned Wimbledon, and that is certainly right around the corner. And one of the things that stands out to me in the wake of what's going on with Putin's war in Ukraine is that the the WTA um, has basically stripped the event of ranking points this year. And we know what that means for Medvedev, for 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 Djokovic, for some of their, you know, I mean, Djokovic might lose his top ranking as um, a men's single. So, you know, my question for you is, do you agree with the stance the WTA has taken on this? I mean, obviously, you've got people thinking that, you know, it was good to ban uh, players from Belarus and Russia. It was not so good to single out certain players. I'm just curious where you stand on that. Well, first of all, it's both tours, the ATP, which is the men's tour, and the WTA, the women's tour, who have done this. Um, and, you know, our tours were built on the premises of equality and treating everybody the same. So from a player's perspective, you know, they don't think that it's right for the players who are unable to play based on where they're from 
um, to have a disadvantage to the other players who can play and, you know, improve their ranking um, in this situation. It's, uh, you know, it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, but this is basically, these decisions were based on integrity and, and, and moral um, values um, that the tours have. The ITF has done the same. So there's solidarity in, in what has been done. Um, this is obviously, it's not just a Wimbledon situation. It was a, a United sure. Kingdom um, uh, reprimand, if you will. And, and Wimbledon had to, you know, I mean, it's a government decision, yeah. um, which which fell on the shoulders of Wimbledon. So it's unfortunate. I think politics should stay out of sports um, at all costs. And, you know, sports are what really bring people together and not separate them. And um, and we're just in a tough situation right now. Yeah, Katrina, I think you make a great point. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, they had offered, you know, some of the um, uh, the, the Russian players uh, the ability to sign a declaration or something along that night, you know, saying, hey, we're, you know, we're not really from Russia, whatever it needed to say. But the idea is, how could you ask a player to do that? I mean, it could put their very livelihood and their families at risk, right? No, so, absolutely. And so that this was the safest this is the safest thing to do for these players. Yeah, totally. Um you, you know, you can't ask anybody to, to to sign, you know, an affidavit or whatever that you don't support the war or your president or whatever that might be. Um, I mean just imagine the ramifications that that could come that could stem from that. Um, so it's, it's a tough situation. It's really unfortunate. Um, and you know, the championships will go on. The players will, you know, it'll be a lot said, I'm sure during the event. Um, but I just feel for, for all the players, you know, first of all, I feel for the Ukraine as a whole. Um, I have Ukrainian friends. I have people that were there that were able to get out. Um, and so, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with Ukraine on a daily basis, but, you know, when you look at the sport and the athletes, it, it's just unfortunate as to what's coming down on the Ukrainian players, the, the pressure that they're under, and the Russian and Belarusian players as a whole. You have so many noble hurdles, and you have done something and doing it right now as the executive director of the Harlem Junior Tennis and Education Program. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I've been the executive director for 16 years, and, and so it's not something that I ever thought that I would be doing, but when I got the call, you know, 16 years ago, um, I thought it was something that was near and dear to my heart. Um, it was a, a program at the time that was really struggling and, and about to go under, if you will, and they took a chance on me. Um, I had not run a program before, but I grew up in a program very similar to this in Chicago, so I understood the importance of it. Uh, I, the, the heart and, and passion immediately went into making sure that I could do the best that I could to make sure that these kids had an opportunity to, to thrive in a sport and, and, and learn the life skills that are necessary to become champions in life as, as well as tennis. Um, we are celebrating 50 years. We're in our 50th anniversary. Our, our gala actually is next Monday, June 13th. Mm. Um, and, you know, in hopes of raising at least a million dollars, uh, this year to continue to support our efforts and take us forward, you know, for decades to come. So these kids, the majority of them are coming from central Harlem. We do service youth from across the metropolitan area because not only are we developing players from grassroots, but our, our kids go on to, you know, play in sections, sectionals and nationals and, and earn college scholarships. So, 
we are a competitive component. We have a competitive component as well, and which attracts other kids from around the city. Um, so it's a, it's a labor of love. And, um, you know, to, to know that we're standing strong and tall after 50 years is, is remarkable. And, of course, that 50th year anniversary is on June 13th. I wanted to get your take, Katrina, on uh, King Richard, which, of course, Will Smith won the Best Actor for uh, award for. Um, did you see it? And, and what did you think of it? How much did it resonate with your experience or the experience of others that you know? Yeah, no, I did see it. Um, I saw it in preview. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, knowing Venus and Serena and having known them since they were about 9 and 11 and, and knowing their story, um, I thought it was well done. I thought it, it spoke, it, it really brought light, uh, a light to their life um, overall. It took away a lot of the speculation over the years because, you know, people always said, oh, they, this couldn't have happened. They couldn't have, there's no way that they could have succeeded and accomplished all the things that they've done based on what they say they where they grew up. And so it was on the big screen for everyone to see and understand, no, this was their life. This is these are the challenges and obstacles that they had growing up. This is what, you know, Richard and Orsine did, the sacrifices that they made um, to make these girls the champions that they were and, and still are. And so as I was watching the movie, I saw, I didn't see the characters that were playing them. I literally saw the Williams family and in, in everything that they endured. And so I applaud uh, the script, the story, um, the success of it. And, um, and, and think it's, you know, it's something that people really need to understand that you can overcome anything if you, if you believe in it and, and you, you stay the course and stay the path. You know, you can you can dig your way out of a hole, if you will. Did you relate to it personally? Um, I wouldn't say personally. My life was not um, as you know, it wasn't the same lifestyle that they had. You know, they're from Compton. I'm from Chicago, so the challenges and obstacles were were different. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in the inner city of of the West Side of Chicago and definitely had my own challenges, but but nothing to the extent of what they had. Um, you know, I wasn't. You know, I didn't really receive over racism um, when I was growing up and playing in, in my tournaments, even when I was the only one. If I did, my, my parents are the ones that received it and kept it from me, but I've never seen or heard uh, any situation from my parents that that was that Mr. Williams and Mrs. Williams were put under during those times. And, you know, I mean, they're in L.A. And, and you think about the, the history of, of tennis, the success of tennis players in Los Angeles and Southern Cal, the country clubs that are out there, you know, very, very different to see, you know, a Williams family walking in to these these places to, to train and play and compete. I didn't have that experience in Chicago, and uh, I was very fortunate. I mean, you were president of the United States Tennis Association, but tennis has obviously gone global. It's an international sport without, you know, really compare. And, you know, I wonder if you can't just help me get my arms around some of the things and some of the concerns that center around China, right? Obviously, we know about Ping Shui and, you know, all the stuff that's gone on there. Is that behind us? I mean, I know China hosted nine WTA tournaments in the 2019 season worth about $30 million in prize money. They've not hosted much since. I mean, I'm curious what your thoughts are about China, about it reemerging on the uh, international stage as it relates to tennis. Well, I mean, the, the WTA has made it very clear that until things change in China on the human rights issues, that 
they have withdrawn their tournaments, you know, all of 21, um, 22, surrounding the Peng Shui situation. And so that is a decision from the WTA that I'm not involved with. But it is, you know, it is a global sport. And, then, you know, with the success of players like Lee Na in the early 2000s, you know, the Chinese players were definitely emerging, evolving. Uh, Zhang last week did a great job at Roland Garros. And, you know, these are individuals who are playing a sport that is their lifeline. And, and they're working hard to be the best that they can be. And again, as I stated earlier, it, you know, it's unfortunate that politics comes into play in the mix with sport that makes it challenging. And so the decisions that are made on the business side is, is what it is. Um, you know, I, I, I pray for the, the safety and the, the opportunities for, for young, not only just the young women, but the young boys that are they're playing our sport. It's a sport for a lifetime. It's a great sport. And who knows where the future, what the future future holds when it comes to um, these professional events returning to China. Katrina Adams, former chairperson and CEO of USTA and executive director of Harlem Junior Tennis and Education Program. You were so kind to come and join us, and thank you for putting up with me to watch an eyeball pop out of my head when I hear a stupid question, and I appreciate the your bulging time. from his forehead. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it through some. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And uh, appreciate the, the support of this great sport of tennis. Thank, thank you, you, Katrina, for everything. Yeah, my pleasure. So nice talking to you. Bye-bye. Likewise. Bye-bye. This has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore some of the big money issues in the world of sports. And you can catch our podcast Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Scarlett Fu. You can find me on Twitter at Scarlett Fu. And I'm Damien Sasso. You can find me on Twitter at D Sasso. Hey, don't forget, by the way, you can catch our podcast wherever you download this baby. That's the way we roll. <laughs>